portfolio management is not just for large companies. Portfolio management is not just about how you create a hierarchy and a reporting app. It's really about how you make a decision across the product organization to support various needs and various lenses of the business. And so that even your smaller team, you know, five team or 10 team, even your single product manager, you have to think about your product roadmap in different lenses. Creating great products isn't just about product managers and their day-to-day interactions with developers. It's about how an organization supports products as a whole, the systems, the processes, and cultures in place that help companies deliver value to their customers. With the help of some boundary-pushing guests and inspiration from your most pressing product questions, we'll dive into this system from every angle and help you think like a great product leader. This is the Product Thinking Podcast. Here's your host, Melissa Perry. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Product Thinking Podcast. Today, we're talking all about product operations with Becky Flint, and she is the CEO and founder of a company called Dragon Boat. And Dragon Boat is a portfolio management tool that is really helping companies understand more about their products and how they're investing in those and how they're reaching their goals. So welcome, Becky. Thank you for having me. How did you get into this whole thing with portfolio management and decide to start Dragon Boat? Yeah, it's an interesting story. I never really planned to start a company. I was literally pushed into it. So maybe just get started a little bit early on my journey in product ops. A lot of people think about product ops was relatively new, and I'm really glad to hear there are more talks and awareness of that. But it was really started very, very early on. One of us to think about when you have product, you have product ops. And my journey was at PayPal when in early 2000. I was probably one of the first product ops person at PayPal, and it was brought in to help PayPal to launch in countries outside of the U.S. So PayPal was only in a couple of countries. And we were trying to launch into additional countries. As you can imagine, launching a product in countries for a payment product is not a small thing. There's a product, multiple product teams, there's business, there's country, and all sorts of things need to happen. So that's really started the role as an international expansion. And now look back to look at a lot of companies later on, probably decades later in the Valley, you see Uber started the product ops was because they were launching new countries and Airbnbs and many of them. Some of the ideas of how this role is very diverse and evolving over time. So we were launching PayPal from a couple of countries to dozens to over 100, basically to everywhere. The company was also scaling from uh, the time where product managers are filling to one conference room to dozens and the hundreds. Through that journey, we realized, hey, the way we run product won't work anymore. And we have to figure out how to lead product teams across bigger organizations. We can still do customer-driven, but how do we manage different types of customers, domestic, international, consumer, merchant, and all the changes that we need to adapt. So that really moved, morphed in the role into something around product process transformation. And as we were doing product process transformation, we realized the traditional way we were taught to organize and then operate and run product doesn't really work because there are so many different facets and a lens, you know, we call it dimensions of looking at a product, regardless it's a different market, different segments, long-term, short-term, horizon, type of investment. So that's where 
based on some of the learnings and my finance background, I propose to take an approach called a portfolio management. Really look at the different ways we should think about our product, putting the swim lanes together, and how do we allocate different places in addition to just the prioritization. And that's really the start of the portfolio management at PayPal. We did a couple iterations and there was no tool. And the thoughts was just in place. As I was helping PayPal build portfolio management, we had to build internal tools to support this a couple of times. Now, fast forward a few years later, I went to a few more companies and realized, wow, every company faced the same problem. And then we need to have a way to manage a product and a portfolio across teams. And there was no tools. So ultimately, it became my fancy spreadsheet and a souped up where people started came to me to ask for tools. And once that happened multiple times, ultimately I had to say, you know what? I think there's really a need of companies of all sizes, both in understanding how to do product portfolio management and having a tool to enable that. That's really the start of the Dragon Boat. So when you were at PayPal rolling this out, what did portfolio management end up looking like? What do you think are the key pieces that every organization even needs to be able to do this effectively? So when we started at PayPal to do portfolio management, initially it was just thinking about how do we divide work across different quote-unquote business units. So we had U.S., so we call it U.S., and then we have Europe, and then we have Latin and Australia, Asia, et cetera. So all these different business areas they are markets that would need a product and need to prioritize different features because they're at a different stages of market adoption. That was the first attempt to do is to break out our product, entire product backlog or roadmap into how much it would support different regions or market. So we will start working on that and we realize that's not enough because there are a lot of overlap. And then even in different markets, we have consumer, for example, and then we have a merchant, we have a fraud. How do we manage that? That really evolved into something, become a um, sort of a different way lens to look at it. Then we can look at it, how much we invest for today for our core product, how much invest for innovation and so on. So the learning was portfolio management. Today we do because our product is multifaceted, support different needs, having different characteristics. We have to have a way to support them in different way. And that's really what led to the understanding of portfolio management is not just for large companies. Portfolio management is not just about how you create a hierarchy and a reporting up. It's really about how you make a decision across the product organization to support various needs and various lenses of the business. And so that even your smaller team, you know, five team or 10 team, even your single product manager, you have to think about your product roadmap in different lenses. That is really how portfolio management should be adopted for the product teams of all sizes to be effective in driving the outcomes and need for various stakeholders, various businesses, various customer and the markets. The one thing that I've seen about portfolio management, I think in a lot of these organizations is one, people aren't doing it. I think because it's so hard to get the information that you're talking about. And it sounds like a lot of work used to go into pulling all this information together, being able to see your investments, your spends, your like different ways of slicing and dicing the data. What did things look like before you started Dragon Boat? And I'm so curious, like who was the person who forced you into this? What was the problem that they made you go out there and solve with it? The interesting thing is for, you know, I was going to go back a little bit about product ops and how product ops and product leaders work together in 
in partnership really essential. As the product team start to grow bigger, the roles are, you know, you, people used to wear multiple hats. As a product leader, you used to just wear a hat as a product leader, and then you run the organization, you run the team, and you run the product process and product operations. When the product team start to get bigger, that role is too big to carry so many hats on. So that's where you have product operations. Why you need a product operations? Because you need a way to have people work in a somewhat consistent, not 100% the same. You need the consistency to the extent where effective decision-making can happen. When, why do we need effective decision-making? Because no product can be built by one team. Almost all products, look at it, there are many, many teams involved. So having product operations that partner with the product leaders, which is that you have a vision, strategy, team, process, and data, then you can actually make effective decisions at all levels, from strategy to team structure to roadmap. And when you have that, that has to based on a lot of data. What does the customer want? What are the features driving our outcome? How different the market evolve? How does these features relate to each other? So we have spreadsheets upon spreadsheets upon spreadsheets with the tabs. You have different categories. So you first you have this spreadsheet of each team. So each tab will have a represented team. And you have these columns that represent the things that matter to you, regardless if it's a market or it's a horizon and whatnot. Then you have to find a way to consolidate them and then you can pivot table 100 times to look at things differently. That obviously become a very challenging. Now, that also require people actually even know how to build this. If you don't know how to build this, and then you face the challenge of what should we prioritize? How do I juggle between things in US and let's say uh, EU? And there are different markets at different places and the different prioritization. If I make a decision purely on ROI, there's nothing going to be built for things outside of the core business. So the needs are really coming to say, how can a product organization scale and build upon what they are doing really well, like core product? And then have new areas to growth, regardless if it's a different market or it's a brand new product. And all these decisions are essential for a company to run today and grow into tomorrow. And that's really the pain point is how do I get all the information into place so that various folks can take a look from individual PM to product executives, to CPOs, and the stakeholders to understand what we want to do. Why, where's everything, and can we afford to do it? Do we have dependencies? That really is driven by the data needed for making decisions across all levels of organization and product organization for sure. Yeah, that's why I got really excited when I met you and saw Dragon Boat because this was something that my team had done manually. We tried to put together for so many companies. We would have some analysts on our team who would spend like upwards of 40 hours a week for eight weeks, trying to get all the information out of the system, slice and dice it in the right way, do the different pivot tables, do the different lenses on it. And then some of the bigger issues I saw too was how do we monitor that after gathering that information first? So when I was at Athena Health, we tried to create a (laughs) JIRA backlog of all the OKRs and measure the progress that way. But that information wasn't really being tracked systematically in JIRA, right? Like that's not really where that lives. So we had like SLT JIRA, we called it, like senior leadership team JIRA that sat over in one place and then we kind of put our OKRs in there. And then we had normal JIRA over here and it didn't work that well. We just had no idea what to use because there was 
no products out there that were going to allow us to say, hey, here's the investment in each product that we have across the portfolio. You know, here's our tracking towards these OKRs and all the strategy that we had just built and deployed. And it was really a big struggle to do that. And that's what I really loved about Dragonboat is that that's what you guys were pulling together. So I know you've seen that problem as well. What are you seeing companies do when it comes to like trying to pull that information up together themselves? Like we were like hacking Jira. What else are you seeing people do? Oh, I have seen so many. Like if you look at the most people's the Jira, there are tons of plugins that, by the way, I like Jira. In my career, I have built Jira. Every company I go to, I help them fix the Jira, rewire Jira. I did tons of hack as well. But ultimately, I realized something that it's a great tool. It's flexible. You can do a lot of things, but it's not built for a product decision. It's not built for portfolio decision. So let me take a step back on why that's the case. Well, first of all, there is connected in two steps, but definitely two separate steps. There is a part of the strategy alignment, designing on what is the goal we should do, what kind of bets we're taking. There's a whole fuzzy part of the product management. And then there's a part of execution, which is around we know what we're going to do at the directional level, and then we can get it done. So when you put two of them all in one tool, you are biased to what the tool is built for. If you have a bicycle, you ride a bicycle. If you have a car, you ride a car. There are two very different things. But when you give people a tool, the way you think, the way you work, 100% or 90% morphed by the, what the tool was built for. So I'm not saying I'm a Jira guru, but I'm, you know, work pretty hands-on Jira, work with a lot of Jira consultants over the years, spent a ton of money on that. And that's what I learned is that when you start with the execution tool, you think very, very differently from when you start with a tool that's looking at the roadmap, or looking at the strategy, looking at what we could do. And then when you decide what we could do, what problem we try to solve and how we're going to solve it, then you go to the execution tool. So to answer your question, what happens is a product organization, well-run product organization need to be effective, but it cannot just think about efficiency. Now, Jira and these execution tools really help you to drive efficiency, have visibility, get work lined up and all that stuff. But it doesn't help you to be effective, meaning you, are you solving the right problem? Are you solving the problem the right way, right? That's also how I came to you. Unless that was the book about escaping the build trap. I was like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what's happening in these companies, including the ones that I worked at. It's like, we trying to optimize a process, then the, because the tools and process, the practice and the philosophy are so intertwined, and that's what's happening. Everyone's just looking at a velocity, looking at burn downs, and that's output. That's not outcome. Where are the biggest mistakes that you've seen when people are just getting into portfolio management, just starting to look at outcomes, start deploying it, start tracking it? What are some of the pitfalls that you've been observing? So there are a couple of things that I noticed. So I actually have um, our share with the show notes afterwards. There's something we call the maturity model of the product portfolio management or outcome focus, the product management, which rely on product portfolio management skill, is that a lot of times that people think about portfolio management, they think about hierarchy. You know, I have a hierarchy of something, and that's how I define my portfolio. The challenge is that hierarchy is a static. As soon as you design a hierarchy, once your business change, you're stuck. That's one of the challenges that people spend a lot of time to figure out a hierarchy. And they really forget what was the problem they try to solve. In reality, a portfolio has many lenses, different uh, perspectives. 
So you have to think about building that in a more dynamic way rather than a static, I have this hierarchy from goals and initiatives. And there's only one of them. What about you think about your horizon? What do you think about your categories of investment? That's the first part. The second part, think about portfolio management. That's a really big part. A lot of times people say, oh, I have, you know, I have a Jira premium room, I have a Jira portfolio, and I have a portfolio manager because I can roll up everything. But that's just reporting. Again, it's sort of the from the end of the line versus from the beginning of the line to think about what we could do. What are the problems that are really important for us and urgent? There's important and urgent. That's really define what problem. So thinking about portfolio management in a very narrow way and trying to just do roll-up reporting and thinking that was portfolio management, that's maybe 20, 30% of it. But you really get benefit. The main purpose of portfolio management is to define what problem you want to solve, what is your strategy, and how do you allocate your investment? People don't think about resources. People don't think about investment. But a great idea, a good bet, will be good bet when you put a million in. But if it takes two, three, four million and three years, that's not the bet you want to do. So you have to think about both the problem and the sequence of that and how much you're willing to put it into it, right? So that's real portfolio management. That's the second part. So totally think about the roll-up and not thinking about how things need to really start from the beginning to, in terms of deciding on something before doing something. The third part of the portfolio management is too rigid. And that's sometimes, a lot of times people, companies fail to implement something like portfolio management to say, I need to define the whole process for the entire company. There's a book you can follow exactly. I'm not saying you don't need that. You don't need to define all of them all at once and to the letter exactly how you do it. Think about a portfolio as a cadence, a rhythm, right? And I think that's something you can kind of look back when companies started to do Agile and Scrum, when you do pure by the book once, it was always very difficult to roll out because there's just so much learning and so much evolving and, and adapting and adjusting to the company. So these days, there's, you know, gotten variety of the Scrum from, you know, weekly to two week. Sometimes companies have three or four weeks and they do dual track. There are multiple variety of that. That's because after 15 years, finally, people realize there's a principle and then there's execution. Follow the principle, but not exactly the same. Same thing for portfolio management. When you try to roll out a portfolio management, it's an even bigger impact. Touch a lot more functions than just a scrum team. So the best way to do instead of do a, a big bang rollout, change everything, really start with a couple of teams. So you will say, oh, if I have a three, four teams, not a portfolio. That's not really exactly true because a portfolio mindset really takes into consideration, say, what are the a, a number, a bunch of categories of business problems or product areas, opportunities that want, we want to explore? How we evaluate them? How do we understand dependencies and also allocation? So these are portfolio practice. And at which point we push to execution, like it's Jira or Azure DevOps. So that portfolio management, we call it an agile rollout. You can call it incremental rollout, minimum viable process rollout. If you do that, it will be much better because then you, you can understand where is the organization ready, which teams are ready as they are rolling out, what did they learn, what they didn't learn. So that's gradual rollout to smaller teams, 
but go through the whole process so that you know how portfolio management could be done in the company for one area so then it can expand to broader area and I'm not taking a big fan. So these are some of the problems. Now, obviously, the last one, last but not least, is to not having the people. It's not a small thing. It requires thought process change. So have the product and, you know, ideally with the product ops person or, or someone play that head is essential when you, when you just have an idea not having the people actually make the change then it's not going to happen. Just again, going back to the agile, right? Think about it. Portfolio management is just the next evolution of agile, really having much bigger and broader sort of the influence on how the organization can iteratively improve and get better. So when companies were rolling out agile in the earlier days, they had to have a champions, they have to have a scrum masters. So then you can actually get the team to practice this. Same thing, if you want to get outcome focused and practice portfolio management, you need someone like a product ops to get the team, a bunch of, a few product teams at least, to start a process and then from there to learn and grow. So if you're in, I'm thinking of like, maybe if you're a leader in a bank, you oversee one of the business lines, you want to roll this out across some of your areas. The reason I'm getting into this, I feel like some people don't quite understand the concept of portfolio management and you just described it really nicely. Like it doesn't have to be super concrete. Like it could be around different product areas. How do you suggest they look at defining their portfolio, right? Like what's a tip or trick for looking at sometimes they have up to 800 products, which are way too many, you know, in some of these larger companies, but we've got like 800 products. We've got all these things over here. Where do you draw boundaries around things to be like, hey, these are my portfolios, or I can slice and dice this in a way where it's not like I'm measuring investment across 800 things. I'm measuring it more in, in stuff that's a little bit more meaningful. I'm glad you asked that question. It's interesting that we actually just rolling out Dragon Mode to a, a very large top five bank in the US and, uh, and they we're not rolling out to the whole company. We know we have a roadmap to roll out to the whole company with dozens of portfolios. But we roll out to just a couple of product areas, like a prof, you know, sort of the portfolio, right? If you think about a company as a bank, they have, we will call it a portfolio of portfolios. Underneath that, you have individual portfolios. That's using, you know, if in the bank, let's say you, most banks have things like consumers and the business and the consumer banking, business banking, and, and the loans and mortgages and otherwise. So I think that rolling out, you know, let's just take consumer. For example, if I pick one or two, of their internal portfolio and a look at them to say, okay, how can we think about our portfolio management differently in terms of across our individual sub teams and sub product and product groups, how we are going to work together to drive the outcome that it's in our portfolio outcome, portfolio goals in the grand sort of backdrop of the overall bank goals. So first of all, finding how we play and then think about us this sub-portfolio portfolio is kind of up, it's a little entity operating in a bigger world. So if you think about that as sort of the CEO of your own area, and you will think about what are the set of goals that we need to accomplish, and each one of them is an, an investment option, right? So that's your portfolio. You have a portfolio of goals to support. How does my initiative and the bets associate to that I drive those outcomes? And then I have to think about it even for my sub-product areas. How do I decide across them? And then I have to think about it, you know, obviously, even for my customer, I have a new customer, existing customer, high net worth, and 
not the higher net worth. So you also look at that as well. So basically taking one or two areas that are either on the forefront of, you know, want to change things. Why we want to change things? Because we, we want to be ahead of the competition in general, right? It's just, if we, we do great, we don't need to change. But if we want to get faster, get better, drive more outcome and be more competitive, we want to make change. When the team is ready to make change, take that team and put them into this framework and then work with them in terms of understand the different lenses. So we'll look at a portfolio, how a portfolio workflow can go through in terms of your annual vision, alignment, and quarterly, sort of the milestone and evaluation and planning and so on. So taking one or two teams who are ready for change and start to apply portfolio management to that area that are relatively, not insulated, but somewhat independent so that it's not going to quote unquote, disrupt the rest of the organization because ultimately everything output to execution. Execution can still with execution. It's the product and the portfolio and the decision and prioritization part that's primarily limited by the area. So when you're looking for those teams too, what's going to signal to you that they're ready for change, that they're ready to start with this approach? So I would use two scenarios for real, even in my previous experience directly working with the teams. One is they are going through some structural change already. They have a new leader and they have a new product line being brought into, or there are some either competitive or whatever turnaround, there's a catalyst to change and people or, or environment. So the catalyst for change is definitely one of them. And then two is that how do we identify the team ready for change? I think it most likely is because either we have new leaders in an area, then leader want to bring things to change. And guess what? If you are a product leader and you go to an organization, one of the fastest way for a new product leader to really make impact is to evaluate whether this organization is ready and the chances that they almost always are to take a more holistic view and then just take the outcome focused and product portfolio management process. So new leader quite often are the main thing. And the other one is the merging of a different group or split up the group. Again, some major changes will cause, would it be the, a real indicator of readiness for change. Now, you would say, wow, if you're a new leader, you come in and try to implement portfolio management, isn't it too risky? Is it too much change? Do I really want to take on that? So that's what I thought before. But we, through working with the, Southern's team and through also working personally from company to company to bring portfolio management into the fold was actually this is something, this is a cure or a solution to a lot of problems the team are facing. They just didn't know this is a curable problem. So example was, as a new leader, you come into an organization, you will do a listening tour right, to find out, okay, what does the sales say about us? Think about the product team? And what is the customer success? How about the engineering team? How about ops team? As you started to do a listening tour, you almost always hear about, I don't know how decisions are made. I don't know where everything is. What's the status of this initiative? Our customer want this. We promised this one. And the product launch tomorrow, like you hear almost always the very, very consistent challenges. And these challenges can be solved by having a framework of portfolio management in that 
you engage stakeholders or understanding stakeholders, which is not really the idea is like sales really is, is sort of like the proxy for newer potential customers and customer success is a proxy for existing customers and so on. So as you start to have more insight and input into your portfolio decision and engage them either directly with them and or through customers, you would get their input. And then it will address a lot of sort of the visibility, the trust, the transparency, and how decisions made the problem. And then as you have a framework, you would be able to, using data to quantify why we invest in these areas and why we prioritize these initiatives and the roadmap items so that everyone, again, bring along everyone to understand, well, no one can get everything they want, but at least they can be on board and understand why we make decisions. They have an input to that as well. And so that they can help the product team better in terms of selling to customers and serving the customers, make them more successful and the operations can support it. So in the end, product, Team works with all functions. No one can build a product alone, this internally, right, across the product teams. And no one can take the product to the market alone within one single product team. That's why I have a portfolio management approach is to connect different functions and pieces at the right time. So you drive alignment, you have a data back decision. So you provide a visibility without tons of spreadsheets, tons of PowerPoints, and just disparate information make everyone feel confused and lost. Yeah. The one thing I've seen that is a huge problem, usually more for companies that don't have strong product leadership, but could be in other ones that do, they aren't really taking a portfolio vision of all the products that they have, right? Like there's no strategy or wrapper around like, how are all these things going to come together and like move our company forward? And usually that's a good signal to me when I'm out there, like looking at companies that they need a chief product officer to really build that portfolio vision, put it out there, talk about how all of these things align. I imagine there's some work that these companies have to do before they can use Dragon Boat, start with the portfolio management, probably around like setting up their strategies. What are you seeing when like things go wrong, when that work's not happening? What types of you know information are they getting through the portfolio management? And what do you recommend people do to like sit down and prepare to get into the portfolio management process? What do they need to do? Like what's the groundwork they have to lay? So we think about things mostly around the people, the the process and the platform slash tool. So if we just have the tool, we don't have the process framework, we don't have the people, it's not going to be successful. That's Definitely where even for us at Dragon Boat, we don't just give you software, right? We actually provide training, coaching webinars and partner with you and, and other experts in the space to enable the other key elements, which is the people and the process. So let's talk about the people. Kind of mentioned earlier a little bit of chief product officers, why that role is needed. And, and I want to double click on that, right? So if no one's looking at it overall, and everyone looking at their own area and they're reporting to a, a role that's not product. And that's obviously that the product will be not looking at overall thing to companies where you really see silo teams and well, they call their, you know, sort of durable team, but really they are just a silo team because they don't work with each other. They don't really know what's going on and they have their own roadmaps and you see the, the org chart all over on the product because they didn't work together. And the prioritization was just each team prioritized their own backlog or someone said, hey, I'm going to start from Jira, pull my backlog. That's my product management planning. 
So having a holistic view of a product team as a whole and looking at where we need to work together and focus on different time horizon, different category, different market, and collaborate in terms of product and the experience and technology platform is critically important, having a leader to drive the vision, drive the strategy, and enable the team actually can innovate and create ideas and then be able to deliver. Not having someone as a part of operations is also very difficult because that leader will have to take on the role of both setting up the vision strategy and getting the team aligned and help them to keep running it on an ongoing basis. So product ops is a critical role as well for a more structured change. So that's the people side of the things. Now with the right people, we can think about the right process, which is not terribly difficult. As we have the right people who will be supporting the right process, which really is to say, understand our goals, define what problem we try to solve, and figure out the strategy we will try to accomplish them and use that to drive a cross-team level of decision. Now, I know I said this a lot of the sort of understanding goals and strategy and so on. It is just decision-making process. Doesn't mean that there's no nuance of how to do that. That's where people, the right people, plus the right decision-making process, and then you add a tool on top of it so that it will enable you the framework, the data, the visibility on what are the data and the elements we need to make decision? And what is our current decision? And where we are in terms of progress, regardless of the roadmap progress or is it your strategy and outcome progress? So that really enable the three things, the people, the process, and then the tooling and platform will support the effective change. So with that too, we need some kind of strategy to deploy some right concrete goals to measure and make sure that we can roll those up and look at it. What are you seeing with companies like building out their OKRs, putting it into these frameworks, trying to get there? I've seen like it's such a mixed bag of whether people are doing it or not. Like one of the issues when everybody tries to start like at a portfolio managed approach or try to measure this is they're like, hey, what are the outcomes that we want? And they just spit out a bunch of them, but they didn't actually do the work to figure out how do things ladder up to those outcomes? How do we actually calculate what's a good goal going into it? What are those types of things that you see at the roll-up level there? One of the biggest challenge is to say, how do we turn a business sort of the very lagging OKR, right? The revenues or retentions. And how do we move that over into a, a leading indicator? So first of all, we will align on what are the goals we try to achieve? But there are so many ways to achieve their goals, right? So the part is important to say, how do we going to achieve these goals? And these are like, let's call it products because sometimes the strategy seems very abstract. What really that is to say, for us to grow revenue, what should we do? What is our strategy? Are we going to go to a new market? Are we going to deepen our existing product? Are we going to build a new product? So that is the product strategy leading to the OKR. If you align that first, then you will say, if our goal is to grow revenue three times or two times the revenue and in order for that to do revenue, instead of doing partnership, instead of doing acquisition, including doing XYZ, we're going to go focus on three strategies. We're going to deepen our product. We're going to go to a new market. And we're going to invest in you know, upsell. So these are the strategies being used for your team to say, okay, what kind of features initiative to drive and deepen the product adoption and all go to the new market? So as you define a strategy, 
this success and outcome can be measured, and that will become the measure you use for future, for the sort of the downstream team to prioritize. So when you're thinking about product ops, how are those people to helping the leaders? Like we just talked about, we don't want the leaders doing it all themselves. If you are the leader of a company, you want to start product operations, you want to get into this, you want to set good strategy, start portfolio management. Who should they be looking for to help them start this product ops team? And how do they leverage them to get started? So a typical product ops persona or experience, the product ops have to be able to work with the, the product leaders, right? Would have a lens of a strategy, understand the business, understand the strategy. They also have to have a lens to understand how operationalize it, right? Building framework, having cadences, and having dashboards, platforms, and how to work cross-functionally. So across different teams, across different areas, because the product ops have to drive something called the top-down alignment, right? Understand our goals and strategy, that alignment from the executive team to the product team, drive the top-down alignment. And then you also have to empower your team to have bottoms-up innovation. The team cannot be empowered if they don't know where they're going. They don't know their strategy. It's a chaos, right? So not a managed chaos. You want some chaos, but you don't want just uncontrolled madness chaos. So it's a disruptive. So you want the product ops would have to be able to work with the product executives to drive alignment and drive allocation, being able to work on a strategic part of things. Also have to be able to work with the team to understand bottoms up innovation and empowerment and cross-functionally. And they also have to have a delivery mindset. Are we delivering? Are we driving the outcome and delivering our roadmap that needed to drive the outcome? So they have to take the skills that needed, really, is the strategic side as well as the team working and ability to think about the delivery. So some of the program management skill, some of the product management skill, some of sort of the strategy and the business, the finance skill. And then they also have to continuously improve product ops are product managers. They're product manager of process. And the process is the rhyme and the process you build to run an entire product organization. So these are sort of the people and skill you look for. Someone would with a multiple skill set, not just product management. You need to need two or three different skill sets in terms of product and strategy or some of the business management, maybe program management maybe Agile, Scrum, like you have to have a two or three different skills to be able to put those teams together and then build the rhyme and the process, which is the product for the product organization. Now, resources are not a ton. I know, Melissa, you're, work, you're working on a book and we're building a community on product operations. And then we have lots of very passionate members who getting to the product operations role. Recently, I've been in that role for a year or two. There's a lot to talk about, and I'm very excited to have this conversation with you, Melissa, and continue to build the resources and tooling for the product operations community because they are so essential to the success of the product team. And if you want to be outcome-focused, you need the people, and you need the framework, people as product ops and product leaders, you need a framework, which is product portfolio management, and you need a tooling that connect that together. And I would suggest using Dragonboat as a tooling. I would suggest using Dragonboat too. <laughs> Thank you. But I do agree. I will say too, I do see tools every single day and Dragonboat has been the best that I have ever observed 
to be able to roll up these things and give the insights into the leaders. And I don't say that lightly. So thank you so much for putting all of your you know, blood, sweat, and tears into making this for us, because I do think it's going to help us run better product organizations. So thank you so much for being with us, Becky. If you guys want to learn more about Dragon Boat and also more about the product ops and how to get it started, you can go to dragonboat.io. You can reach out to Becky and learn more about that company there. Thank you so much for listening to the Product Thinking Podcast. If you like this podcast, please go and subscribe. We have a new episode out every Wednesday. And next week, we'll be back with another Dear Melissa.